Oh, for sure. I mean, face-off assignments, um, bad pinches, um, you know, just there's little things, especially early on when you got to be dialed in, that, that cannot happen. So that that's frustrating for sure. Well, indicative of our start, we gave up, you know, we gave up three on the first four shots, and that's indicative of the start of, of, of our team. Um, you know, there's a, there's a fine line between trying to push back and, and uh, finding a way to win and, and a fine line between giving yourself a chance still. Um, you can't make mistakes like that against a good team. They're just going to capitalize. Well, we're, we'll go to work and, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll go to work and we'll work hard in practice um, and uh, um, turn, you know, turn the page, you know, by doing it, you know, by doing it that way. Um, there's not a whole lot of talk that needs to be done about this. We've got to go back to work. Um, you know, there's nothing hidden about this one. Hey, Seattle Kraken fans, not a great game in at Climate Pledge Arena last night. We're going to recap it, but before I do that, let me make sure that you know that today's title sponsor is brought to you. Uh, this episode, I should say, of Locked on Kraken is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Don't forget, we have that contest going on. The holidays are around the corner, and finding the perfect gift can be tricky. But Omaha Steaks makes it easy to send friends and family an unforgettable gift guaranteed to be loved go to omahasteaks.com and enter nhl into the search bar in order to find the perfect gift package we'll talk about it coming up on the show but thank you as always for making locked on crack in your first listen of the day i am your host erica Lindsay ayala here's where you can find me and we always appreciate it if you also follow the show at Locked on Kraken. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit us up in the comments. We have a good time in the comments. Always a good time. But mm, you heard from Jordan Eberly. You heard from Dave Haxtell. I don't know that there's much else to say, but I'll sure try. <laughs> podcast on the Seattle Kraken. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We are the Seattle Kraken. Well, Seattle Kraken fans, you heard from Jordan Everly. You heard from Dave Haxtell. I'm not sure how much there is to say after the 6-1 loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins last night. Here was my immediate reaction to the game, and we'll get into it a little bit more. And then um, coming up, we're actually going to play part one of that NHL roundtable that I talked about, and then you'll get that part two on tomorrow's show. But here were my immediate reactions to the really brutal loss, 6-1 loss at Climate Pledge Arena Monday night. Tough one tonight against the... Pittsburgh Penguins at Climate Pledge Arena. My name is Erica Lindsay Ayala. I'm your host of Locked on Kraken. And as we talked about on today's episode, Monday's episode, a team that Dave Haxtell called fast and hard was too much for this Seattle Kraken team to handle. We saw that Philip Grubauer was pulled after the first three goals in the first period. Joey Decord went the rest of the way. It was Eberly, Jordan Eberly, coming back to the lineup after getting over a little bit of an injury, scores the lone goal for the Seattle Kraken. Not a great game, 
We'll break it down more on Tuesday's episode of Locked on Kraken. So I talked about it on Monday's show, talked about it in my post-game notes. Dave Haxtell saying that the Pittsburgh Penguins were a fast and hard team was difficult to hear as a Kraken fan and as someone covering the Kraken because I don't know that even as the Seattle Kraken have been improving, that fast and hard is the type of team that they're going to meet success up against. Now, they've played Edmonton, Carolina, I mean, Colorado, the Golden Knights, but this Pittsburgh team, different, different. And we saw that in the first five minutes of the game. Philip Grubauer saw, saw, excuse me, five shots. He stopped one out of the five shots for a 250 save percentage in the first five minutes of the game. Brutal. Brutal. The first one, a little bit of a fluky goal. He got a little bit surprised. And then everything else after that was just the Penguins attacking. Attacking with speed and with grit. And that's what Dave Haxtell talked about. And the disappointment that you're hearing is partially, if I had to guess, because the Kraken haven't figured out how to play that style of hockey. I don't think they're built for it, so that's one thing. If it's not in your repertoire, it's just not in your repertoire. But the Seattle Kraken didn't even do the things that they are good at or that they've been getting better at. So um, I talked about Grubauer's numbers. I did like Joey Decord. Uh, He's a lot more aggressive, young goaltender. You heard Dave Haxtell talk about him. But um, I like that he's communicating. I like that, you know, he's getting up into the play, making passes, moving the puck. There were things that Joey was doing that other players at the time on the Seattle Kraken were not doing. And that's your your backup goaltender that was recalled from the AHL. But he was focused, he was energetic, and he was doing what he could do within the game. Seattle hasn't figured out to, how to play this kind of hockey. That's the truth, Ruth. They haven't figured out how to play this style of hockey. And this is what you need to figure out. Um, this is what a, a successful team does. Now, are they going to be a fast and hard kind of team? The way they're built, I'm thinking no. But how do you then, again, the team defense, the commitment to playing team defense, blocking shots, protecting the, the net and not leaving your, your netminder out to dry, that has been what has made the Seattle Kraken successful. Why they shifted from that, I don't know. Talked about it on yesterday's show. Someone's got to start early. And who was it? It was the Pens, and in a big way. So I don't know that there's much else to say. That's kind of how Dave Haxtell felt, too. I don't know that there's too much else to say after this game, except it's got to get better. If the Seattle Kraken want to be a serious team, they got it. They have to be more consistent, and you can't have games like that. You also heard the guys on Root Sports talking about gaps. And, you know, they say the difference between first and last place in a race or something is like seconds, milliseconds. It's a, a, inches in sport. 
hockey is definitely one of those. And if you're not closing the gap, part of the reason that they're able to come in with so much speed, the the Penguins, is because the Seattle Kraken were laid back on defense. They weren't attacking. You heard, um, you know, the, the guys talking about really jumping up before they hit that blue line, before they enter their offensive zone or the Kraken defensive zone, really getting there. Also, blown assignments, blown assignments on the faceoff, knowing where you got to go, body to body, stick to stick. Seattle, for whatever reason, they just weren't focused. It just seems like a focus issue because there's more talent on this team than what they displayed Monday night. And that's the frustrating part. That's the frustrating part. If you're going to get beat six to one by a team that has Stanley Cups, that has a generational talent like Sidney Crosby, that's one thing. But to not play your game is heartbreaking. It's disappointing. It's unacceptable. And that's what you heard Dave Haxtell, and that's what you heard uh, Jordan Eberle talk about. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know that there's much else that we can that we can say. So, coming up next on Locked On Kraken, I'm actually going to play the first part of the roundtable that I talked about on yesterday's show. It played a little bit of a snippet there, but Locked On Presents is an opportunity for us at the Locked On Podcast Network to have deeper, impactful conversations that maybe go a little bit outside of the lines of the sports that we cover. And so for the National Hockey League and Locked On NHL, what that meant was talking about toxic hockey culture. Obviously, as it relates to what's happening with the Chicago Blackhawks team, but also other opportunities to unfortunately talk about some of the discretions that are happening in the sport, not just in the NHL, and then try to have a conversation about how to move forward. I mentioned yes, I think I mentioned it yesterday on yesterday's show and probably on Friday as well, but tomorrow you might notice this is my old backdrop but I will be heading back to my place in the Midwest. So you're going to get part one on today's episode, part two on Wednesday. I wanted to play this uh, part one and part two, and you can watch the full thing over at the Locked On NHL uh, show. I'll leave that up here for you. It's the card. You can click that at any time while it's up there, but then also in the show notes if you want to watch the full thing all together. But um, here's my conversation with Jake, Rachel, and Anne about toxic hockey culture and how we can move on from it. Hello and welcome to a special edition of Locked On Presents. I am joined by a few hosts from Locked On NHL, and we are here to talk uh, roundtable style about hockey's toxic culture. My name is Erica Lindsay Ayala. I am the host of Locked on Kraken. I am joined uh, by Anne, Rachel, and Jay. And you are representing Locked on Predators. How are you today? (laughs) I'm doing great, Erica. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. Uh, Looking forward to when our two teams duel it out again. Maybe we'll get another Seattle Kraken win. (laughs) Maybe. Rachel, how are you? I'm doing well. Fantastic. Uh, you know, Dave Haxtell, go T Hacks. I don't know. I don't know. Evil Dave. He's evil Dave. 
And Jay, it's good to see you again, Jay Foster. Um, we have talked plenty of time, including about inclusion in hockey. So always glad to have you here. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll see what the fate has in store for the Kraken versus the Blue Jackets next go round. Yeah, maybe it's your time to, uh, your turn to win in overtime. <laughs> <laughs> Here's hoping. We need all the wins we can get. But again, uh, joined by some hosts here, we are going to talk about a pretty heavy topic. Wanted to start off just first seeing how everyone's doing, doing a check-in. Um, but Rachel, you are going to take us through a timeline of events. We are going to be talking, just a trigger warning, about the events happening around the Chicago Blackhawks organization in particular. So Rachel Donner of Locked on Flyers going to have you get us started. Sure. So in May, a former NHL player who was then known as John Doe One, we now know is Kyle Beach, uh, he sued the Blackhawks for negligence related to incidents where he claims he was sexually assaulted by a video coach for the team at the time, Brad Aldrich. And uh, he... Uh, Kyle said it was a non-consensual circumstance and Aldrich denies that to this day. Then in June, a person who was a high school student at the time in 2010 uh, sued the Blackhawks uh, related to Brad Aldrich because he was assaulted by Brad Aldrich later on and Aldrich had gotten the job through indirectly through a recommendation that the Blackhawks had written for him. Later in June, according to TSN and confirmed by then Blackhawks skills coach Paul Vincent, uh, it was confirmed that a meeting had in fact taken place after Kyle Beach had reported the incident. Uh, that included Paul Vincent, then GM Stan Bowman, team president John McDonough, VP of Hockey Operations Al McIsaac, uh, Kevin Dayoff and mental skills coach uh, as well to discuss the allegations. It was in the midst of the playoffs and that Paul Vincent had suggested that they go to the police at the time. And that was not followed up on the team was pressured into conducting an independent investigation after their quote unquote internal investigation <laughs> turned up no wrongdoing as is the case often with internal investigations. And then the results of that investigation by an external law firm were released in the last week of October of this year that basically implicated everybody in that group meeting saying that they ultimately decided that the playoffs were more important than dealing with this incident in the moment and that they would kind of table it until after everything was over. But then they basically didn't do anything and they let Aldrich walk away and his name was etched on the Stanley Cup. And it just, it was looking real bad for the people in that meeting. Um, and then sort of as a result, after the report came out, there were some resignations that came from it. So Stan Bowman and Al McIsaac were kind of forced out with the Blackhawks. And then uh, Joel Quenville, who was also in that meeting and was the coach of the Blackhawks at the time, 
uh, was forced to resign as head coach of the Florida Panthers. We're going to get back to the roundtable in just a moment. But right now, a reminder that we have our Omaha Steaks. Where's the beef? We have the Omaha Steaks challenge that we have going on. We want to make sure that the Seattle Kraken fan base uh, and listenership is is buying up these steaks because they're giving away a, a, a box of meat at the end. But uh, truthfully, honestly, the holidays are right around the corner. And I can honestly say, uh, as someone who's been traveling back and forth, the last thing that I want to do when I'm trying to be with family or get myself settled in back at my place is have to worry about shopping for food and good quality food at that, a good meal. And so with the Omaha Steaks, Perfect gift package for $99.99. You'll get 24 entrees like the world famous bacon wrapped. Oof. Oh, I can just taste it. The bacon wrapped filet mignon, chicken breasts, sides, and desserts. And there's even more. They're not even giving you all of the, all, this is just a little tease. There's even more that comes in that perfect gift package package for you. Um, when you use promo code NHL, you'll also get an additional eight Omaha steak burgers for free. That's amazing. So you can fill up your fridge, whatever you got going on, just thaw out some meat and, and have a meal. I love that. I can't wait to get my Omaha steaks. Um, and we know about shortages and shipping and all of that, all the more reason why it's time right now. Go ahead and just pause this if you're listening or if you're watching. Just go ahead and pause this and go to omahasteaks.com and type in NHL, and that's how you will find the perfect gift package. Achieving gifting greatness with Omaha Steaks. Incredible flavor, incredible value, and 100% guaranteed. So don't forget, head to omahasteaks.com and use keyword NHL. I mean, that's a lot. Um, yeah. So many things. And you mentioned the report, um, you know, and I just want to make sure everyone knows what we're talking about. But Jenner and Block put out a report in October of this year, the report to the Chicago Blackhawks hockey team regarding the organization's response to allegations of sexual misconduct by a former coach. And as you mentioned, John Doe won, we should say, um, is is now we know Kyle Beach, but there is also a much younger John Doe whose mother has been outspoken in the media who also um, had been abused and assaulted um, and uh, by Brad Aldridge. Um, and so, and I wanted to have you chime in for a moment here because I know that in some of the conversations that we as hosts of uh, as part of the Locked On Network have had, we've all shared our different experiences and reactions to what was happening. But you shared and opened up that you're a mother, and so hearing John Doe too and uh, his mother speak out um, and some of the things that the family overall has been dealing with seem to resonate with you. And so, it, if you could just maybe share some of that perspective with us and, and for listeners, sure. Um... This has been a very difficult story on a number of levels for me personally. Um, they did, uh, there was an interview with Rick Westhead with John Dotu's mother and um, listening to that interview, she shared from her perspective what the experience was like watching her son 
um, go through this experience and him coming forward and the after effects of this experience. Um, I'm a mom of three. I have two boys that are 19 and 17. So right around this boy's age. And I really struggled uh, watching that video because there is nothing that you won't do for your children. And as moms, we try to set everything up in our life to protect them and to keep them safe. And we work hard to build trust with people. Um, and he, this young man went to a party that ended up not having parental supervision where the assault took place. And it's heartbreaking because as a parent, you want to do everything you can to protect your child and to see them hurt is awful. And then to have to watch them walk through the trauma of an assault like this, um, you know, that mom is never going to be the same, nor is the victim. Uh, so it's been really difficult for me as a parent to hear this story and to realize that there were many opportunities for that young man's safety to be procured had people been proactive and responsible earlier in situations that were had obvious red flags. And that's what makes this conversation so difficult in a lot of ways. Again, not just the timeline with Chicago, but then that Aldridge was uh, left that team and was able to be in a situation where he had um, interaction with John Doe too. And so the responsibility overall um, is something that I have lots of questions about, including how the NHL the Chicago Blackhawks, not just in what was reported and what Rachel ran through, but also since, since the report in October that we have hit on. And so Jay, I wanted to have you chime in and have the, open up this part of the conversation. So in the report, there were a lot of different ways that the Chicago Blackhawks could have and should have intervened here, but we're, we're also now left to question where was the NHL in all of this? And since the report um, and since some of the reporting on the report, we have seen Gary Bettman not only hold a press conference, but even uh, as we're recording this, the Hockey Hall of Fame induction ceremony just happened. And Gary Bettman publicly again made uh, some comments. So Jay, can you keep us or, or uh, just kind of bring us up to date on how the NHL has responded, and then what are your thoughts about the NHL's responses? And we're going to get back to the roundtable. I know that, again, difficult conversation. You would have heard Rachel already walk through the timeline and Anne share a little bit about what it's like to be a parent hearing a lot of what's happening in hockey culture. We're going to have a more conversation, but right now I want to tell you about betonline.ag. Bet Online has you covered all season, more props, more odds than ever before, and still the number one spot for all sports action this season. And if you head to the new improved interface and website right now and you use promo code locked on, you will get a 50-50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. When you head to betonline.ag.com, you can use your mobile device, you can use your laptop, you can use your desktop whatever you got, 
and from basketball, baseball, of course, NHL, and even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all of the offers available in the 2021 season and beyond. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Yeah, to begin with, I so the Blackhawks were fined two million dollars. Uh, obviously, Bowman, uh, McIsaac, and uh, Quenville ended up losing their jobs over it. Um, I disagree with the fact that they were allowed to resign, but I kind of understand why because um, I talked to Sarah Avampasho, host of Locked On King. She does workplace investigations for her day job. And talked about, she talked a little bit about, you know, uh, in contracts like that, she would put money on there being, you know, some kind of clause that says, if you fire me, you owe me the rest of the money or you owe me a payout or whatever. So by allowing them to resign, the team doesn't have to pay them anymore. Um, So all of that kind of came out. I was surprised that we got that much. Frankly, I was expecting, you know, oh, well, it was 10 years ago and clearly they're different people, so they should get to keep their jobs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then kind of on the on the back of that, uh, Batman did a kind of press conference slash uh, media availability um, where he talked a lot about how, you know, the Blackhawks failed both Kyle Beach and John Doe too. And... Um, talked about how he supports the victims and offering, you know, like he made a blanket statement to help uh, victims of uh, sexual assault or abuse and then turned around and when he was asked, you know, are you going to pay for therapy or for health insurance for John Doe too, who is still, you know, suffering this horrific kind of psychological backlash as a result of being assaulted as a teenager he was like well I would need to know more about the case and I'm like well what like there was a 107 page report like what more what more investigating do you really kind of have to do about this um and since then it's kind of come out that okay he's the the NHL has said we're gonna leave that to the Blackhawks to decide whether or not they should pay for John Doe 2 to get uh, therapy. Blackhawks have said, yes, we'll pay for both him and Kyle Beach's uh, therapy. Um, And, you know, we are committed to making a difference and making it better. And kind of what they're saying publicly and what they're saying privately are very different. Um, So Rick Westhead, who, by the way, shout out to uh, Rick Westhead and uh, Katie Strang, both of whom have done a phenomenal job reporting on this when you know national media was just not paying attention you know it was i think um maybe three or four of the national media people even acknowledged that this was happening you know we got nothing basically nothing from you know uh, guys like bob mckenzie or um elliot friedman said very little on the on the fact until it all came out in this in this report um but, you know, phenomenal reporting from uh, Rick Westhead and Katie Strang and some of the Blackhawks uh, reporters as well, uh, I thought, did a did a really good job reporting on this. Um, but so uh, Rick Westhead has since come out and while the Blackhawks and the NHL are being, uh, saying, you know, 
we are going to support uh, Cow Beach and John Doe 2, and we want to make this kind of a, as amicable as possible uh, in public, in private. Uh, apparently, that's not quite what's happening. They are, you know, throwing a lot of uh, debris on the track, shall we say. You know, they're making it as difficult as possible. They talked about how um, if they wanted before uh, John Doe 2 could get the the therapy they wanted to look at his financial records and his medical records and his school records because obviously if someone has straight a's in high school then that clearly means that they don't deserve therapy or you know something along those lines and so it's just kind of been a very one-sided uh yeah we're gonna help but actually we don't want to pay any money or acknowledge any wrongdoing um to the point where this was just recently i think yesterday uh, it came out. Uh, Susan Loggins, who is the attorney for uh, Kyle Beach and I believe for for John Doe too, uh, came out and she asked Gary Bettman to personally mediate these talks because she felt like they were going nowhere. And uh, I believe as of earlier this afternoon uh, slash morning for for you guys, I'm a, a couple hours couple hours ahead of the the news cycle <laughs> over here. Um, but uh, as of earlier today, it was announced through an employee through an employee of the NHL that Gary Bettman uh, quote respectfully declines uh, the request to mediate these talks which kind of feels a little bit like well I've done my bit um and I think that is kind of to just kind of wrap up everything I just kind of uh talked about the the whole thing has been just passing the buck from one person to another Stan Bowman blamed his bosses. Joel Quenville blamed his bosses. Uh, Kevin Cheveldayoff escaped any kind of punishment or not like accountability because he was only the assistant GM uh, and therefore couldn't possibly have any sort of responsibility about this. Um, the Blackhawks have tried to pass the buck to the NHL. The NHL has said, well, no, it's the Blackhawks' fault. The NHLPA has kind of, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute, the NHLPA was like, well, we reported it. We assumed that someone would do, someone else would do something, and that's kind of been the the theme of this whole horrible story. Has been well, we assumed someone else would say something. I almost want to use the word unbelievable, but as we're going to talk about and why we've entitled the roundtable as we have, like this is a, a toxic culture. I wonder if if y'all have any thoughts on the difference of the conversation when it was John Doe and a 107-page report versus Kyle Beach and a 107-page report. Um, is there Has there been a difference throughout the timeline that Rachel walked us through? Yeah, 100%. Um, and this was, again, um, I believe it was on the Steve Dangle podcast. Um, Request Head was on there, and he talked about how, you know, when... <clears throat> excuse me, when Luke Prokop came out, which I'm sure we're going to talk about in, in a minute in terms of, you know, hockey is for everyone, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the response was incredible. You know, once there was a, a name to it, the NHL was all about it. And it kind of, when you look at this, when it was John Doe, no one cared. You know, no NHL players spoke out. No media seemed to really care. As soon as 
you put a name to the the suffering and the abuse and you put a face to it and you put Kyle Beach on national TV, you know, breaking down in tears and apologizing to this 16 year old, which by the way, was the most genuine apology to John Doe two from the person that has the least to apologize for. Um, yes. But yeah, once you put a name to it, suddenly you've got people coming out and saying, Oh, well we support Kyle beach. And I think, that is kind of representative of how the NHL does things. It's very much, oh, well, this happens to some people, not not us, but this happens to some people. And then as soon as you put a name to it, it's, oh, okay, well, we have to, we have to face this. You know, there were uh, people still playing in the NHL now who were teammates of Kyle Beach. There are people who are working in the broadcast side of things, people who are working in the media who were teammates, friends of, of Kyle Beach. And I think that's, yeah, like you say, once once the name is out there, it's, it's, um, it's impossible for people to not talk about it. Um, and I'm going to let someone else talk in a minute, but just kind of on the, on the flip side of that, now that Kyle Beach has been named, I hear very little about John Doe too. And that's, that's not okay. Because just because he doesn't want to tell the world his name doesn't mean he is less deserving of kind of the the support and the love the the majority of the hockey world has shown Kyle Beach since he kind of told his story and thank you as always for making Locked on Kraken your number one listen of the day and now that you've heard part one tomorrow on Wednesday show you'll hear part two uh, and if you want to see the full link, you can watch it below. This is a little bit of an abbreviated version, but you can listen or watch the full thing. Links in the show notes. But now that you're done with this, go listen to Locked On NHL. Or maybe listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling, your handicapping expert, as they get you ready for everything uh, when it comes to sports betting. Until tomorrow, I know this was a rough one. We're going to lick our wounds, and we're going to get to work, just like Dave said, just like Jordan said. But remember, hold fast, stay true, and let's go Kraken. Kraken.